You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. Today, Roxana Moran sits down with Michelle Albert. Hello, everyone. It's Roxana Moran from uh, Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. And uh, we're at this, this month's episode of Rock's Heart Radio with an incredibly exceptional guest, uh, a true rock star of cardiovascular medicine, uh, Dr. Michelle Albert. She is the Walter A. Haas Lucy Stern Endowed Chair in Cardiology, Professor of Medicine, Director of the Nurture Center, which is the Center for the Study of Adversity and Cardiovascular Disease. She's the Associate Dean of Admissions at the University of California, San Francisco, as well as the President of the Association of Black Cardiologists, President of the Association of University Cardiologists, and President-elect of the American Heart Association. Wow, welcome to the program, Michelle Albert, Dr. Albert. What an incredible opportunity to have you here with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Moran, and just please call me Michelle. Um, it is indeed an honor to be on your program today because you, you are a true star as well. <laughs> thank you, Michelle. I'm, I'm glad that we, we could speak on a first name basis and thank you for that. I wanted to um, kind of just looking at your titles, blown away, honestly. Um, how many times in the past have we had a woman of color hold these positions? And how significant is this today in 2022 as we look at our um, history and how bright the future may be for others who are listening to our program who might think, wow, that could be me someday. So thank you for being here with us today, Michelle. Uh, thank you, Roxana, for that question. I, You know, I, I think that it's really important that the audience, especially uh, young women, older women, and um, particularly uh, women of color, recognize that, you know, it is it is important to put together the building blocks that would allow you to be prepared to assume positions that are important where you need to be around a table where it's critical uh, that you will partake in very important uh, decisions. Um, and that it is important that you're in circumstances where persons won't just turn to you because you're the woman or you're the person of color um, in the room and you get asked the questions that only pertain uh, to those topics. So while you know a lot of my work has focused on disadvantaged populations as well as uh, women, one of the things that I've sought to do in my career is to ensure that I you know have the appropriate building blocks you know through time to be able to be in rooms um, where um, important decisions are being made. I would say as well, Roxana, that you're probably aware this is the first time that I'm aware of, whether you're male or female or other self-described gender, of someone holding uh, these three positions at any time uh, and, oh, really... and, and importantly concurrently. Um, so I'm really honored to do this. I have fashioned my life after service um, and I will continue to be of service where I'm needed. And boy, are we so lucky that you're the one holding these three positions um, as a, uh, you know, looking at your incredible CV uh, and your 
amazing uh, rise to stardom, honestly. Uh, it's tremendous to see how uh, you have all of the qualities uh, in one person that that could uh, be the 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 important um, pivotal uh, way of the way we all think about how medicine will be changing in the future, how access to care may change, how we will be more equitable, and in which way are we going to uh, get to the bottom of heart disease, especially around the globe, not just in the uh, developed countries, but also in underdeveloped countries, in in our own backyard where there are um, uh, inequities going on and, and and difficulty to some of the access to care. So let's let's just start with that. It's Heart Month, um, and having you on this program is is delightful for us. Um, where do you where do you see where are we today in heart disease, and how can we? Um, and what are you doing and what are you, what are your views about how we could actually make the important um, change and, and in the trajectory of where things are going? Thank you. Well, where are we in heart disease today? I would say that, you know, we've, as you're aware, we've made tremendous progress with regards to our therapeutic options for our patients uh, globally, uh, regardless of identity especially over the last three decades. So as a specialty, you know, cardiovascular disease compared to other specialties should be um, proud of the uh, scientific achievements. Yet, despite these scientific achievements um, and clinical achievements, uh, not all populations in the United States or globally uh, benefit equitably from uh, these advances. So on the other hand, I think where we need to begin to actually focus our efforts in cardiology is to really understand and implement um, strategies to ensure that equitable cardiovascular care is occurring for all of our populations. This includes persons who are disadvantaged by race, ethnicity. This includes rural populations. This includes um, persons who are across the globe who are in countries where uh, they can't get a cath procedure. I am originally from Guyana in South America, and you know, cardiac catheterization was only introduced into that country within uh, the past uh, decade. Okay, and, 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 and there are not many cath labs. So if you have a heart attack, in uh, certain parts of the world, um, you're not going to get angioplasty and stenting. You're still going to get thrombolytic therapy. Um, so where we are in cardiology today is we need to focus on bringing the advances that we um, know that work to all populations. How do we do that? We do that by being able to embed in our clinical trials um, a pragmatic approach uh, to uh, clinical trial uh, design in order to uh, bring in um, populations who are not traditionally part of clinical trials. As you know, Roxanne, you know that uh, most clinical trials have less than 20 25% women, for example. Most clinical trials have less than 7% uh, racial and ethnic diverse groups in them. No, 100% correct, and and those are some of the things that we pointed out uh, in the, the commission we put together uh, with the Lancet, uh, as you know, on the global burden of disease in women, and 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 
inclusion in clinical trials was one very, very important one and access to care and, and educating and, and maybe going to where the patients are instead of expecting to receive the patients, I think is very, very important. Now, I know you've done a lot of work on uh, maternal um, healthcare and, and we've seen tremendous uh, high fatality rates in uh, maternal death, you know, uh, in, in, in pregnant women. And, and especially in the United States, which is pretty incredible. You just put out a, a, a very important uh, paper. Maybe you're gonna tell us a little bit about what your findings were and what you're hoping um, will come of this. Yes, um, In uh, as this is Heart Month, it's also Black History Month. We were in, I was invited to put a frame of reference um, piece in our leading cardiovascular journal, Car uh, Circulation. And uh, the piece is entitled Shining a Light on the Superwoman Schema and Maternal Health. And the reason uh, myself and my co-authors, uh, Dr. Rachel Bond and Dr. Anik Ansong, decided to um, put this piece in was because, you know, one of the terrible things in, in this country and also globally is that there are huge disparities in maternal mortality with African-American and black women globally, as well as the American Indian women having uh, three to four times uh, the mortality and morbidity from maternal, morta uh, maternal mortality. And we know that maternal, um, what happens in pregnancy is very much tied to cardiovascular health of the mother uh, throughout the life course, as well as uh, the cardiovascular health of the, uh, the child. Um, and this is a statistic that has been uh, glaringly terrible for many, many years, because the health of a mother actually is very tied to the health of a community. We feel that this is an important crisis that needs to be eliminated now. Um, so in the perspective, we discussed the uh, background statistics. We also talked about, although hypertension and obesity uh, drive this uh, statistic, that psychosocial stressors that are uniquely faced um, by black women uh, need to be attention to, just paid attention to. This is a really important part of uh, what I do even in my research. In my research, we've uh, found that compared to Asian, white, and Hispanic women, um, black women uh, uh, have more uh, self-described stressors, and that was a paper published in per circulation. We also showed that black female health professionals, and that was in the same paper, among that group, 13% of their ideal cardiovascular health was uh, mediated by cumulative stress, something compared to white women, something not noted in Asian or Hispanic uh, self-described uh, women. What are the unique stressors faced by black women? Black women are more likely to be breadwinners and caregivers of children and elderly than other women. They're more likely to experience bias than other women. And this is usually typically within a backdrop of having less uh, intergenerational wealth. Uh, these things then result in the women needing to be superwomen and um, being strong and not being vulnerable. What this results in is a biological process of increased inflammation, um, dysregulation of the uh, hypothalamic hypo pituitary axis, as well as um, elevation in the fight or flight response resulting in maternal and non-maternal outcomes. 
as well as uh, cardiovascular outcomes um, over time. So I know that was a mouthpiece, uh, Roxana, but um, our um, paper focused on that background, and then we also talked about uh, strategies both at um, the clinical level and policy level, as well as research level, um, to address the superwoman schema and maternal health. Such an important topic. Thank you for covering that, and I think that is um, maternal health um, so so centrally important to community health. I, I love that, and I think it's so very very true. And uh, thank you for bringing that up. Um, I mean, thinking about all that you're uh, doing and the focus on um, women, but also uh, women of uh, racial and ethnic backgrounds that are different than our, the usual vanilla patients that are included in the clinical trials. How do we, how do we, how do we change that narrative how do we work with communities to get these women engaged in our clinical trials? Do we have to change the way we design those? You talked about pragmatic uh, designs, but do we have to change the way we use inclusion and exclusion criteria to kind of be more inclusive so that they don't get ruled out? How do you, how do you foresee that change? Thank you. A complicated issue, and I know that many uh, companies and organizations are um, feverishly working uh, on this topic. There are several things I believe that need to be done. Uh, I think at a very fundamental level that in order to uh, get uh, diverse uh, racial and ethnic and other disadvantaged groups into clinical trials, those persons must feel that the PIs or the principal investigators running the studies are people that they trust. And to that end, there's a workforce end to this, um, wherein PIs need to be come from diverse racial and ethnic groups, as well as um, be women, the overall PIs, not just only the site PIs. Um, so I, I think that's a major uh, issue. To that end, uh, then there need to be intensive efforts to ensure uh, that women and diverse racial and ethnic groups uh, get uh, the training that is required to assume those positions. I can tell you just even personally for me in cardiology, um, throughout my experience thus far, it is more likely for a company um, or an entity to approach a, a white male to ask them to uh, participate in um, their research work, et cetera. And I, I, I have a very um, vivid experience that I can recall when I was a, a fellow that I won't outline on, on this program um, publicly, um, but it was one that was quite discriminatory. And were it not for my mentor, who actually uh, stood up for me and, and demanded that I um, be the one to present uh, the results of a big clinical trial at the time um, that I was the scientific director of, it would not have happened. Um, so discrimination, is a huge component of uh, what happens, even for persons who are uh, qualified. Oftentimes it's said, oh, we don't have enough qualified people, or this person's not the right fit. And both those things are laden with discriminatory practices. Uh, the next thing is uh, gaining the trust of the community. In order to gain the trust of a community, uh, one needs to uh, develop trials that actually incorporate questions that the community cares about, right? So. In a clinical trial, 
Um, it may be studying one drug against placebo or one drug against standard care or biologic or device, but incorporated into the clinical trial must be social factors like, okay, uh, so we want to give this drug uh, three times a day, um, but what what happens, you know, if we also take into account um, sleep patterns or the ability to, you know, go get uh, use utilize transportation um, to actually participate in the clinical trial. All these things are are things that need to be incorporated into the design of a clinical trial to ensure that different groups uh, can be uh, part of the study. I I think also additionally. We actually need to, after trials are done, give ownership um, to the participants who have participated in the trial, right? This is really important with when you engage with communities. We as uh, leaders uh, can't just get out there and you know present our study, um, a big stage, bright lights, without actually bringing to the stage certain participants who in, were integral parts of the uh, clinical trial. Um, I think those are some of the things. Um, there are many, many others, but I think at a high level, workforce is important, the trust, and designing pragmatic trials um, that incorporate social determinants of health upfront, um, not at the back end. Usually, social determinants get um, incorporated after the phase three trial is done, and, and, and one is looking to try to penetrate uh, different sectors with uh, the results of the work done in the trial. Well, you know, we can go on for a very long time. Uh, we have you, you're just uh, listening to you is just so incredibly um, uh, pleasing to my ears, you know, uh, and aren't we all also lucky to have you as the next president of the American Heart Association, uh, someone with your vision and uh, your understanding of the issues um, I'm sorry that you ever felt uh, that you would be discriminated, but of course, not just felt, you were discriminated against and um, were not. And, and I'm so glad, kudos to your, um, to your mentor uh, for making sure that you would be pre presenting the work that you had done. And this is what I'm trying to do as well, Michelle, as you know, uh, with our foundation, with Women as One, we're really trying to uplift uh, the women who deserve uh, to be heard, seen, recognized, promoted, uh, et cetera, but also the women of color, uh, most importantly, because they are often overlooked. So it's just a pleasure and a true honor for our program to have you as our guest of honor uh, this month and to have this dedication for a longer uh, podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you for uh, all that you bring to the world. Uh, and you are making a huge difference and you are a role model for so many of us. Uh, so thank you so much for being part of our program here today. And I hope we can have you back so we can get to know you even better. Thank you, Roxana. And uh, I would say a huge heart hug back to you as well. Um, and thank you for what you do. You are uh, an amazing role model and uh, for women, and not just for women, but a role model period in cardiology, right? And so uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. The time was short, and I look forward to um, being able to spend a much longer period of time um, with you on this program. Thank you. Thank you again, Dr. Albert. Bye-bye.